Hi, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, uh, we believe is much more than uh, just a daily report. It, it really is a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics through the daily reports, yes, but also these podcasts. And we do webinars and hopefully in the future, some live events. And along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who's also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our conversation today on the topic of big tech drunk on profits per second, but greedy for more. Uh, I love Jeff, the topic today. Yeah. I love that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty true. I mean, I learned something that really blew my mind. Um, or should I say something I just couldn't get my mind around? And it's a, a new study by fintech software company, uh, Tipalti, which revealed that in 2020, Apple profited more than $1,700 per second, Shelley. That's Crazy. profits, profits, not sales. Microsoft weighs in at above $1,200 per second in profits. And Google, just above $1,000 per second in profits. And get this, Shelley, the median of weekly earnings, I repeat, weekly, for a full-time U.S. worker in 2022 is $1,037, that, but that's weekly. And that's according, wow. to, uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah, Shelly, that's, like, that's a weekly paycheck. I mean, it, it's, a, it's phenomenal. And I, I just knew that we had to do a podcast on it. And um, let me emphasize, the big three, over $1,000 in profits per second. For context, the average tech company across all tech companies is $182 per second. Wow, that's so yeah. different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still an astounding number. Um, but of course, the big three is just incredible. So a big tech, yeah, we... We all knew they were making billions of dollars in sales globally, but this metric of profit per second, profit making is absolutely mind boggling. Uh, honestly, it's a real mind blower, Robin. But yeah. you know that the Federal Trade Commission, the big FTC, has been watching big tech very closely and continues to probe the issue of are the guys becoming monopoly? So yep. uh, a lot of experts out there do believe that these major tech companies should be split up, which when you look at the numbers that you just mentioned, it just adds further fuel to that fire. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we know there have been many congressional hearings with all of them. <laughs> uh, you know, they've been into D.C. God knows how many times. But the problem, Shelley, and this is actually a little funny, is that most of our representatives in those hearings are too old to understand this tech revolution we're in the middle of. I mean, they don't even know the questions to ask. 
And when you have, uh, for example, a Mark Zuckerberg or a uh, Tim Cook or whoever being challenged, it's a no-brainer for these uh, for these tech geniuses to run circles around our, our representatives down they in do, Washington. They do it every time. I know. Every I time. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when you start thinking about things like <laughs> what the metaverse even is or cryptocurrencies or blockchain, robotics, you know, and on and on and on. It's like, it's like beam me up, Scotty, or the Jetsons, which you and I might remember, <clears throat> a, a car that looks like a plane. I mean, these are just two concepts. Our old guys in D.C. and me as well uh, probably watched decades ago with a kind of feigned interest that someday maybe those things will be real. But hey, guys, now it is real. The here and now. I mean, you better wake up or get some young people who understand what these tech giants are all about so you can at least make some logical conclusions about how you are challenging their size and power, right? That's so, so true, Rob. And it's like they're all living in a time warp. But I, I do think it could become very complicated process to try to figure out how they should be broken up. And frankly, I'm not so sure they should be broken up. You think about this, Robin, Apple, Microsoft, Google, they have these, you know, ecosystems that have their own distinct cultures. Yeah. All innovators, they're entrepreneurs. They have these unique skills that power those giants to continue to grow globally at a very rapid pace. Yep. They have newer, better ways to not only dominate in the respective ecosystems, but also to deliver over $1,000 in profit every second. So my point being is this, even if the FTC could figure out how to break them up, it would likely end up killing the goose that laid the golden egg, not only for the U.S., but honestly for the world. Yeah, it's a great point, Shelley. And and I do think I agree with you. There, there are a lot more golden eggs to come out of these tech phenomenons and contributing for a better world with really. it. So, but anyway, back, back to pocketing over a thousand dollars a second. Uh, there's another thing that's going on in the tech world that I think begs the question of are they getting greedy, uh, chasing even greater per second profits? Shelley, you remember the great outsourcing of manufacturing during the 70s and 80s? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. globalization of production to lower cost countries, and especially in the textile and apparel industries. Uh, this offshoring obviously brought costs way down, providing retailers and brands higher margins. Well, guess what? Across tech world, they are outsourcing, or call it the offshoring, of technology skills for the same reason. Global talent for much lower costs and therefore higher profits. A no-brain, right? No-brainer, right, Shelley? Yeah, I mean, if you think about <laughs> the change from the start of the tech revolution back, Silicon Valley was committed to keeping its top jobs in Silicon Valley. So right. everyone would bond over foosball, fresh sushi, ping pong, 
you know, companies wanted their teams to be together 24-7. It wasn't that those perks were there to make employees happy. It was there because they, the tech companies wanted them to spend time together. And Dira, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Chayatat said, you know, it's all about face-to-face collaboration. You know, along, he's been an executive in the tech industry for a long time. And, you know, he said that's where the creative, creativity comes from. That's true. That's true. This, yeah. this bonding. But the new thinking, especially after learning about remote working from being home during the pandemic is, well, you know what? Remote work can also be from not just working remotely from the office, but it can actually be from another country. Yep. So that's what's being looked at now. And according to the recruiting platform Lasky, uh, last month, 75% of companies that were hiring engineers in the U.S. were also looking for engineers in Latin America. Mm-hmm. That's up 55% from just one year ago. Wow. And before the pandemic, only 25% of employers were open to hiring engineers in that region. So, you know, this so-called great resignation as a result of the pandemic has left a much smaller pool of talent to draw from, which we've been talking about, which further accelerates the outsourcing of lower cost talent. And because less available talent in the U.S., the the scarcity of talent could actually demand higher wages. That's true. According to Lasky, U.S. tech companies are saying we can hire an engineer in the United States for $300,000 or we can hire someone great internationally with very similar experience for $75,000. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? Go ahead. The difference is unbelievable. So if no one needs to come to the office anymore, does it really make sense? Is it worth it for these companies to continue hire top U.S. tech workers? Oh, boy. You know, and listen to this example, Shelley. Um, Business Insider wrote, the payroll startup deal, that's the name of a company, D-E-E-L, headquartered in San Francisco, is looking to fill 21 engineering jobs that are not based there. They probably won't even be based in the U.S. Um, Deal has an idea of where it wants to fill these positions some in Latin America, some in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. But the company says it's flexible because it wants to prioritize hiring the best candidates, regardless of location. That's a great approach. Yep, yep. And since launching in uh, 2019, that's when they launched, a deal has built out what, what might be the most global technology company of its size. 1,100 employees scattered across more than 75 countries, uh, including Nigeria, Colombia, and Belarus. Wow. And hear this, U.S. employees make up only 18% of the company's workforce and only 1% in engineering, data, and product. Amazing. So now more and more tech companies are following the deals uh, playbook. And of course, Shelley, as more tech companies move jobs abroad, guess what? The best and the brightest in Silicon Valley are no longer competing only among themselves. They're being evaluated against their peers all over the world. 
you know, what started as a steadfastly local job market is turning into an international job market. As I said, globalization started with factory work. Now it has come for the last remaining bastion of American tech jobs, the elite ranks of engineers. Uh, You know, it should be noted that in, in the early days of the growing technology companies' cultures, it, it was predicated on human interactions. You've kind of mentioned, you know, interaction in the offices. As, as I mentioned before, and, and for the big players like Microsoft, Apple, and Google, if they wanted to tap into foreign coders, for example, they would build offices in, those, in big cities around the world and, right. set up, and they'd set up the business there. Or uh, in some cases, they spotted people in other countries who showed, you know, extraordinary talent. And then they would move them to the United States, arranging uh, visas for for them and their families. But of course, only the big companies could afford to build offices abroad. Then the pandemic and the big realization that working from home meant from home anywhere in the country and then and now anywhere in the world where they could pay much lower salaries than in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, you know, and other high cost of living cities or in lower cost countries. So the average software engineer with at least 10 years of experience, according to salary.com, currently earns $199,000 a year in the San Francisco Bay Area, but only 185,000 in Chicago, 183,000 in Phoenix, and $177 in Salt Lake City. Or as I said earlier, you can hire an engineer in the United States for 300,000, or we can hire somebody great internationally with very similar experiences for $75,000. So Shelly, let's... uh, get to what in the world does this trend mean? We witness the global outsourcing and manufacturing, as we mentioned, to low-cost countries, which actually resulted in deflationary pricing at the consumer level. And now there is talk about bringing it back or nearshoring. That's right. Right? For greater efficiencies, speed to market, and less supply chain issues, all this stuff that we talked about in previous podcasts. But Shelley, this is a different kind of unprecedented global competition for brain power. But again, on the cheap, so to speak, technology companies analogous to seeking low cost production years ago, they are looking for lower cost brain power. So So what are some of the outcomes of this? What do you think? Well, I think first of all, Robin, I think the U.S. tech companies are doing this. The ones that are actually um, doing this, like the example you gave with Deal, they're they're the first movers from a global perspective and others will probably follow. So if you you have to pay $300,000 for an engineer in Silicon Valley, but you can get the same, same skilled worker, same skilled worker, for 75 in Mexico City, and that's what they do over time in countries and cities around the world. So 
we're not only stealing their best brains, what else is happening is we're also raising the salary bar for tech mm. companies in those countries and cities. Right. A bar that even low cost for the U.S. might actually be a very high bar for those low, lower cost cities. So that we're outsourcing to. So the short answer may be the U.S. maintains its lead globally with lower costs, making it actually harder for international competitors to keep up. Yeah, Shelley. And also uh, think about this. If this trend really scales and we have more outsourced foreign technology geniuses at lower salaries, i.e. the 75,000 versus 300,000 that you mentioned, at what point does the $300,000 genius realize that to get a job in the U.S., he or she will have to lower their expectations. So is this an eventual lowering of all ships scenario? Well, at the end of the day, Robin, that may very well happen, but there's one other dynamic going on, at least short term. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics last quarter, the unemployment rate specifically for software developers was only 0.6%. percent So basically, the U.S. is running out of engineers who are waiting around to get a job. So if a company wanted one, it could it would would have to poach a worker from another business. Right. So they're going to start stealing from each other in terms of talent. That's going to fuel fierce competition that has already driven high salaries even higher. So. So just as the point you were making, this is another reason for companies to hunt around the world for lower salaried engineers. Oh, boy. Yeah, this really gets kind of complicated. But that, but then there's this, Shelley, <clears throat> kind of called unintended consequences. Think about this. Here's an example. Um, Latin America uh, is a currently a booming area for U.S. companies to poach uh, low-cost senior engineers. But get this. The the recruiting rush there, average salaries have increased to $91,000. In May of 2021, it was just $65,000. Wow. Yeah. I mean, now that's a spike of 40% in just a year. Still lower than U.S. engineers. So it's good news for Latin America engineers. Bad news for startup companies in the country who can't afford those higher salaries. Right. So what does that lead to over time? Will the world see less and less breakthrough models like Google or Amazon, which of course simply means that U.S. dominance in technology will continue while really sucking up all of the global engineers available. Not a pretty picture, but but Shelly, that's long-term between now and whenever long-term will be. I mean, according to a uh, Silicon Valley CEO, he said, if the past decades have proven anything, it is that the growth potential of building new technology companies continues to far exceed the capacity of our labor markets to supply it. 
Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely true. The labor market in tech is chasing that business. Yeah. And Robin, another perspective, again, whatever the long term may be, before we get there, does all this outsourcing of tech jobs pose a risk to American workers? We all know the job market now, including the market for engineers, doesn't stay hot forever. And if the economy goes south, who are companies likely to lay off? The low-wage coders in Latin America or wherever, or the high-paid engineers in San Francisco? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's the big point, really. So, I don't know. Shelly, to sum it up, um, as Business Insider put it, uh, the moment represents a profound pivot in the mythos of Silicon Valley. From Larry Page to Mark Zuckerberg, tech has fostered the notion that computer engineers are akin to gods. (laughs) Being so rarefied and magical that companies must cling to them at any cost. But that exalted status has always depended on an extraordinary imbalance between supply and demand. As more and more U.S. companies tap the global supply of tech talent, America's coders may face a humbling prospect that their skills aren't so rare after all. So, but Shelley, for the time being, the United States tech world getting richer every day with unbelievable profits per second. I guess they can afford to do whatever they want. (laughs) I guess so, unless the FTC gets their way. We'll see. Yeah. How that turns out. Yep. (laughs) For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and theRobinReport.com. Look for us on YouTube, where we also broadcast our podcast as well. And make sure to follow us on social media. Link in with us and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank everybody again very much for joining us. And um, as I mentioned every Friday, uh, if you, any of you have any ideas, topics that you would like Shelly and I to cover, please email to me at robin at the Thanks again.